Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host, Jared Weich, in episode 199. As always, I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. Xbox Day, ladies and gentlemen. My co-host with the most. Xbox Day, excited. Um, we have one bit of quickie news before we get into the Xbox Game Showcase, oh. and then pretty much we're going to be talking about video games from the Xbox platform for the rest of the show, and we'll get to some, uh, what have we been playing at the end of it. We'll start off with the one bit of quickie news, Dom. Ubisoft, remember we had this discussion with NBA 2K increasing their price to $70 on next gen, right? Mm-hmm. And we had this whole discussion of, well, is this going to be the standard moving forward for all publishers? And Ubisoft came out this week and was like, yo, our games that are coming out next gen, fall 2020, they're going to be 60 bucks." Now, obviously, there's a caveat there of them specifically saying the games this fall. That could change moving forward. But it is, this is the first domino to fall, right, in terms of where these publishers are going to line with their next gen pricing. Do you think this is more so Ubisoft getting an easy marketing hit for this fall? Or do you, do, do you think that Ubisoft will have their games at 60 you know, for the foreseeable future. If you're I think a betting it's a, man. I, I'm betting that there's still a good chance Ubisoft games end up being 70 bucks next gen at some point, you know, a year or two years from now. If I had to bet, I'd say that. And they're just taking this like as a quick advantage of like, oh yeah, our games this fall for PS5, Xbox Series X are still $60, guys. It's cool. Yeah. Um, Do you I mean, they could have be a of, thing about their cross-gen titles right this fall. All of them are cross-gen. Exactly. You think at the moment it's an, an actual specifically next-gen title, that's when they can move up the price point? It, exactly, because that, that's that's the thing that kind of muddies this up is, well, you're talking about games this fall and next year that are coming out on both consoles, and there's already, obviously, we've talked a bunch about, like, smart delivery and not paying for, you know, next-gen upgrades. So it's kind of it's kind of a sticky situation, so I could see where, like, they're just kind of saying, it's just they're just still $60 for now. And then maybe when, you know, fall 2021 those time frame of games, you know, maybe start moving up into that $70 range when it's like fully next gen kind of a thing. I could see it. Yeah, sure. It's going to be interesting to see where other publishers land on this too. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, 2K cast the first stone and now Ubisoft's responding and we still don't have prices for a lot of games. We don't know. Uh, we all assume Miles Morales is going to be 40 bucks because it seems like that weird Lost Legacy type of title. But we don't know Godfall's t- uh, price, and we don't know, like, Halo Infinite, right? Um, obviously, it's going to be in Game Pass, but we don't know where they're going to land as well. So it'll be interesting Ooh. to see where the cards land. That's a good point, because I was thinking about this, and I don't think I've ever said it to you, though. But I think that Miles Morales could end up being $50. Because um, it's to me, it would be easier for them to justify a next-gen tax for that game, because it's still less than 60 you know? But it's next-gen, so, you know, last-gen's $40 game is 50 you know, like the translation isn't one for one in my head. So I could see them charging 50 for it. Even if on PS4, they might have only charged 40 like they did Lost Legacy. I could see that. Yeah, and Lost Legacy wasn't a launch title for the brand new console. And they still want that game to carry some value to the eye, right? Of like, oh, it's 50. Yeah. It's still like the type of experience I'd expect. Even right. though price we've talked about multiple times doesn't dictate necessarily quality or enjoyment of a game. But it mm-hmm. is something that they talk about the average consumer. Yeah, I just see um, that as like a... It's easier to justify that going up ten bucks than it is a sixty dollars game going up ten bucks. I guess. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so the way I, I kind of position this uh, isn't exactly how the show went itself, um, but we're going to be talking about the announcements during the pre-show uh, during Jeff Keighley's 
Summer of Gaming pre-show that he had with some content creators, but they had stuff sprinkled in between. Then we're going to go through the per third party stuff. And then we're going to end with the Xbox Game Studio stuff, which isn't, like I said, necessarily how the show went, but I thought it'd be the best flow for the podcast. So we're going to start off with the pre-show, which it, the first announcement was really cool to a lot of Xbox players, and that was Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of the Elusive Age is coming to Xbox finally. Going to be launching into ga uh, Game Pass as well. It's going to be dropping December 4th of 2020. Square Enix is getting some flack afterwards, though, Dom, because it turns out... So this game is also coming to PS4 and PC, right? This is the one where you can filter between the two versions of the game, the old school and the mm -hmm. regular version. The S version, yeah. Y yeah, turns out that this is a port from the Nintendo Switch version of the game. So it's going to be looking not great on the Xbox and PlayStation 4, which is odd. People are kind of complaining with Square Enix about, like, why didn't you just add the S stuff to the PlayStation 4 version of the game, right? And then port that um, instead of porting over the inferior version on the Switch. It seems kind of odd. So people are kind of upset about that. My hope <laughs> is that there's maybe a day one patch, right, that kind of takes advantage of the uh, tech difference between these consoles and the Switch, hopefully. Yeah, I imagine you would get, like, a resolution type of bump um, on the better hardware. But this was always – this was a weird thing before because when the Switch version came out, it was definitively, everyone agreed, better than the PS4 version, right? Um, not necessarily because like, – graphically, but just content-wise, there was a lot more going on. I can't remember some of the specifics. But um, the Switch version, like, was it was one of those rare things where the Switch version, you know, beat out the PS4 version of a game. So, like, hearing this, uh, the Switch version is the one that was being ported. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I don't think that the PS4 version originally, like, even graphically looked that much better than the Switch version anyway. So, I don't think that, like, I don't know. Th that that I've seen some screenshots. There is, a, there is a noticeable difference, and I'm not even the graphics guy. Okay. Uh, okay. But it's not, like, extreme. It's not like... Uh, what was the game recently like Doom Eternal, right? Where it looks super crunchy on Switch. It's not that big of a difference. <laughs> Outer Worlds, I think, was another one where the Switch yeah. version didn't hold up. Which we'll up get well. to later. Yeah. Um, the other thing with this is we're now seeing that for a platform that had a long time without Japanese games, Game mm -hmm. Pass itself, if you have Game Pass, you can now play through Kingdom Hearts, you can play Yakuza. And now you'll also be able to play Dragon Quest for the first time, which is really all of awesome. Kingdom Hearts, right? Like literally yeah. all of it. Yeah. And uh, the first two or three Yakuza's, I think Yakuza Zero, Kiwami, and Kiwami Two are all on Game Pass, uh, which is incredible. I really hope that they position themselves on focusing on getting that Japanese market, maybe not necessarily consumers, because that's going to be a hard thing to break into. I think with xCloud, we've talked about I, with them not having to buy a console but being able to use it mobily will be a huge hit for Xbox possibly in Japan because of just the way their society works with not having these big consoles and stuff and they like having handhelds or, you know what I mean? And the Japanese developers, like we've already seen a partnership with, uh, you know, from software showing off Elden Ring, which isn't an exclusive, but they have the marketing rights, which unfortunately we didn't see today. Um, but I wanted to mention it uh, nonetheless. The next announcement, uh, Exomecha. This is developed by Twisted Red. This is coming 2021. It looked like a mix of Evangelion and Pacific Rim. It's like Chrome X. This, to me, screams like a launch window game, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had the same looks, vibe. 
Yeah, it looks very Japanese. It it reminded me similarly to the, you know, the game that opened the May showcase that's developed by one Chinese developer, uh, with all the wind and stuff going on and the the guns. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember. Oh, that game looked that game. great. I remember that. Yeah, one. that game looked incredible. This looks like a budget version of that game in terms of the scope of it, right? Yeah. Like that game looks like it's overreaching. This one's like we're doing exactly what we can with our budget. Um, it also. It looks. It reminded me a bit of like Godfall, but maybe a little worse. Where, you know, the the feedback when you like hit an enemy or attacked an enemy, it just felt like nothing happened. Like your animation, like hit the enemy with your weapon or whatever, and then it just kind of felt flat. I don't know. It's like, uh, did, have you ever seen the Earth Defense Force games where you kill the giant insects? You ever see those no. games? Japanese games with a heavy fan base. It's like that, but with Chrome mechs. Um, mm-hmm. If it goes into Game Pass, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know how many copies it's going to sell, but hey, it might do well in Game Pass. Cool name, That's though. Exo Mecha <laughs> is a really cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Watch Dogs Legion trailer. Not much to say there. We talked about this during the Ubisoft Forward reactions. Just another trailer for that game. Next up, this is one of the cool games that I think, if it ends up reviewing well, could be one of those indie hits. Echo Generation. So this is going to be a 2021 it's being developed by Coco Cucumber. I wrote down Stranger Things meets 3D Dot Heroes. I don't know if you remember that PS3 game, 3D Dot Heroes. It had the pixelated kind of Lego-y art style to it. The music in this trailer, 100% Stranger Things. Yeah. There was like some turn-based combat we saw. There was some environment exploration. I don't know if you remember the shot, Dom, of the kid walking up through like the the field of grass up to that building. So beautiful. I, I say... In addition to Stranger Things, I think the other comparison, and I've never played this game, but to me, from what I know of it, it looked a lot like Earthbound. Earthbound. Oh, good point. Yeah. Like little kids on an adventure, a little creepy, a little weird, but a little like there's some humor elements in it. I'm interested to see the full breadth of gameplay. The turn-based combat had me interested because the markers for your health and stuff were like these little playing cards, right, with the character's picture and their name on it, which I thought was a neat aesthetic. And the set of villains looks interesting because... It starts off with the Five Nights at Freddy's puppeteer-looking thing, but at the end, there's like a giant alien worm that looks like the thing out of Mass Effect, right? So, really cool. I love seeing new games with beautiful art styles that I didn't know about before, and this immediately went from me not knowing it exists to being on my radar of an indie game I definitely want to check out, right? I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, it was very eye-catching. I had the same kind of reaction where, like, it was pre-show, so I was, like, you know, only kind of paying attention so, but then, like, yeah, I saw this come up. I was like, oh, this looks, that's cool. What's going on here, right? Same yeah. kind of thing. And if the narrative can hit as well, because there were some dialogue options and stuff in there as well, I'm interested to see how fully fledged and, you know, developed this game is if, if it's not more than just a neat little indie title. Next up, Hello Neighbor 2, coming 2021. Have you ever played Hello Neighbor? No. So, Hello Neighbor is a huge indie hit. You've probably heard about it a million times, mm-hmm. at least the name of the game. And I actually recently played it probably like in recently, I'm saying like six months ago. And all the game is, is it's like you have this small neighborhood. It's your house, a couple of other houses on your side of the street that are just there for decoration. And then across the street, you have this neighbor, right? Very creepy Ned Flanders looking guy. You see him in this trailer as well. And the whole point of it is for you to sneak into his house and figure out what he's hiding in his house and in his basement without him finding you or capturing you, right? And that's the whole God. hook of the game. So you go into his house once, you might search around, find a key. By the time he starts finding you and chasing, you have to get back to across the street to your house 
Then you wait for him to go about his routine, and then you go back, right? So that's the gameplay loop. Before this and it goes cr- it goes to crazy places. He upgrades his house, so as you find stuff, he'll upgrade his house with new parts and everything. And it's a lot of environmental storytelling. This game, the big hook for this, the sequel, they're introducing a second neighbor. So you see that weird like plague mask thing, right? Like, what the hell is going on with this? And at the very end of the trailer, it's revealed that it was him in a costume, seemingly, because he throws like the plague doctor costume into the fire. Unless he just killed that guy, who knows? Um, so it's taking that concept and building on it. Instead of it's one neighbor, it's multiple neighbors now, or maybe he has two houses, right? I think this will be a really dope Game Pass game. I don't know how well it'll sell necessarily on console, but it's a huge hit, uh, Dom, with the younger audience. Like, the kids who are playing Fortnite are playing the hell out of Minecraft, and they're playing the hell out of Hello Neighbor. It's like one of those playground games kids talk about because it is kind of weird and creepy, but it is fun to try to figure out what's going on and scare yourself a little bit so this is in that category of like wow that's an interesting game um yeah but i don't know that i fully get it but god bless it i'm that's hilarious and i'm glad it exists that's for sure yeah it's cool to finally see them doing a sequel because for the longest time i think they had been updating the game with new additions and now that they're finally pulling the trigger on a sequel because this could totally be an expansion too right like the extra neighbor expansion or some something like that um, but like I said, this may not be a huge hit for us two, but this game is super popular, cool. especially like on YouTube and Twitch and stuff, man. People, kids love it. Next up, we had ID at Xbox. Uh, their montage had 15 indie titles in it. They actually released an article alongside this that went into detail on all of them. Most of them are ones we've seen before. So we had 12 minutes, which looks dope. Still slated for 2020. I really hope that's a launch title. Um, and all the 15 games they talked about are coming first to Xbox on console, so they'll eventually make their way to PlayStation, which is really cool as well. We had Tunic, which is the Zelda-like fox game. Still no date on that, unfortunately. Uh, they showed Sable, which is the like the voxely cel-shaded, Destiny-looking character in the desert, um, where he rides like a speed by like a speeder from uh, Star Wars. They showed off Lake, which is the post-delivery uh, game, the mail delivery game, which seems to be. I feel like that game on the surface looks like, oh, you're just a girl delivering mail. And by the end of it, there's going to be like a really heartbreaking narrative conclusion where it's something just goes awfully wrong. It seems too chill and like relaxed for something crazy in the story not to go completely left, you know? Um, that's one that it could be a goose game where it's like, oh, neat little concept for an indie game. Or it could be uh, Gone Home where you just take on this girl's story and figure out something heartbreaking or sad that she went through in her life and you piece it together as you deliver the mail who knows uh the other one i wanted to mention is do you remember the musical side scroller artful escape dom that they've showed in the last couple of e3s at microsoft where it's a guy like playing the guitar and a bunch of crazy stuff happens like a willy wonka acid trip (laughs) they also talked about that as well a lot of other games i highly suggest going to the xbox wire article where they list all the 15 titles uh, like I said before, all coming first to Xbox, which is really cool. I can't wait in the coming months and years to get dates for these games. It's one of the tough things about indie titles is you you see those concepts right away, Dom, and then you're like, oh, this is super interesting. I can't wait for it. And then because of indie development and game development in general being so difficult, we have to wait years, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, that's the case. Next up, uh, Blonde Wonder World. So this is the first game from Square Enix's action game division, Balan Company. It's going to be coming out spring 2021. 
It's being uh, the game director for the title is Yuji Naka, which may not seem like a familiar name, but he was the guy who was the head of Sonic Team for the longest time. And so he has a lot of cachet, especially with the Japanese audience in terms of his portfolio. This game, it takes place in a musical theater setting, and it seems like the whole concept of it is you're going to be exchanging suits to get different powers and use them. So think of like uh, Mega Man-esque, except you're just changing the outfits. You don't have to defeat the bosses. They mentioned something about a single button. So I don't know if it's going to be one of those titles that's like a simple concept, but with the outfits, you're going to be able to do crazier stuff with the use of that single button. One thing I haven't seen people mention with this game too, because it's a single button type of game, I wonder how that's going to do with people who need the like accessibility controller to play this, right? Because mm. if it's a game where you're only using a single button prompt, that could make it an experience a lot more people can undertake, right? So interesting there. I don't know how this game did for you. For me, it's like, oh, it's a cute little like chibi-inspired Japanese game, but totally not my jam in terms of you know pulling me in. I actually I missed the entire last 10 minutes of the pre-show. So this whole indie I need to go to that Xbox Wire article you're talking about and like catch up on these 15. Yeah, so well this one wasn't part of the idea at Xbox. This was like its own announcement. Oh okay. Square Enix had been teasing this Balan company thing as their action game division. To me it reads like this is our competitor to like uh what's the really popular action game developer uh Platinum Platinum Platinum. Games. It seems like their answer to that of like, we want to create action games. And this one out of the gate doesn't necessarily seem like it's for the Platinum crowd. It seems for a younger generation, but the the message behind the game was very positive. Like they wanted this game just to be a good time. And in the current times we're living in, uh, games with optimism behind them seem like a real good place to go with your time. So interesting to see how that shapes up. Once again, spring 2021 for that. Now we're going to get into this rock block of third-party launch exclusives. We'll get into our predictions later, Dom. But remember, one of the questions was, will Xbox have third-party launch exclusives? And I was like, "Ah, I don't think so. I think they'd rather spend their money on Game Pass, uh, which is something we'll get into later because I was partially right but partially way wrong. You were the one that said, of course, they're going to have third-party launch exclusives. Jared, are you ridiculous? I was ridiculous. So we're going to get into this block. All of these games are launching first on Xbox Series X and uh, will likely come to other platforms, including PlayStation later. The first one, Stalker 2. I had to look into this one, Don, because it didn't do much for me on the mm-hmm. surface. I was like, what is this game? I looked into it. Apparently, this is, has been a highly anticipated survival horror sequel. People love this shit. Like, yeah. I I, th- I was get, I was cool with the vibe of it as the trailer started. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And then it's, you know, it finally shows like Stalker 2. And I'm like, yeah, I've never played any of these games. But like, I know that there's like a a group of people out there that are like hardcore, like stalker is the dopest shit ever. So I think this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's like uh, Arma, right? The Arma series on PC. No one ever talks about Arma, but Arma's huge. Like people love right. Arma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and obviously PUBG came out of the whole mod for Arma and all of that. So yeah, it was really cool to see. I'm interested. The original stalker was released in like 2009, I believe is what I read. So 11 years later, if they can pull in an audience, and to, to my understanding, Stalker's huge on PC. It doesn't really have, like, a mm-hmm. console footprint. So this yeah. coming first to console is pretty huge. And I do think people can... People are excited for some more survival horror, depending on how good or bad it is. Um, next up, we had Warhammer 40k Darktide. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Warhammer, it seems like they have 10 games every year that come out, and 
I know a couple of people that play them. That's pretty much it. Um, it just looks like a wave-based, lots of enemies on screen, smashing them up. Kind of like the D&D games that have been of late, the Vermintide games, right? Where it's like a bunch of rat-style enemies, and you're just working your way through with friends in a co-op, where there's not a whole lot of narrative there. It's just about killing as many enemies on screen as you can. Um, Warhammer's weird, because I think of Warhammer as a fantasy <laughs> property, and then you see like modern futuristic stuff, and I'm like, oh, it just spans everywhere. It's everything. Warhammer is everything. Did this do anything for you? It's just like, okay, that's Warhammer. Not for me, but people who love Warhammer are going to be stoked. So I'll admit, like, yeah, that I've heard of this franchise, and I feel like every time I hear of it or see it, it just kind of like in one ear out the other. I've never given it like a even a good close look because the trailer was like interesting. I'm like, oh, this is kind of spooky. Like, this, like, what's going on here? This could be cool. And then as soon as it popped off Warhammer, and I was like, I immediately diverted to this state of ignorance of like, oh, it's okay. It's just one of these games. But I don't really know what one of these games means. <laughs> I need. Yeah, they're usually closer. just first-person kill fests. That's pretty much all it is. Okay. You're just hammering away at hundreds of enemies with different items, like items or guns or weapons, and just slaughtering as many people as you can in your path. Okay. Warhammer. So I used to play Magic the Gathering quite a bit and go to like a local game shop, right, where they sell comics, and you could go in the back and play Magic or uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. And the dudes who would come in for Warhammer nights. There's like these giant landscapes they would bring with them and you had the Warhammer figures and it's just like this where you could have an army of like fantasy type dudes or you can have an army of an actual army and it's a strategy game and it's like a lot of investment. People paint their own Warhammer figurines. It's a really cool hobby, but it seems like it takes a lot to get into, which is cool that they have like a video game vertical for people who necessarily maybe not want to invest all of that into Warhammer, but still maybe love the the lore, right, and the world of the IP. So it's pretty interesting. Um, if this ever comes to Game Pass, I'll smash some demons or whatever the heck they were fighting for a bit. Who knows? Next up, this one's odd. So this is a world premiere, but it technically is just like a new version of a game that was a stellar hit on the PS4, which is Tetris Effect. So we got mm -hmm. the trailer for Tetris Effect Connected. The big thing here is it's bringing multiplayer, which I guess I just always assumed the original Tetris Effect had multiplayer but i guess it was just a single player suite people love the music in that game uh the, the one of the songs was featured in this trailer which was super dope i actually went to spotify and immediately added it to my spotify i'm a tetris guy i love tetris i never got into tetris effect because i've always been an xbox first person and i only got the ps4 for spider-man right have you tried tetris effect at all are you a tetris no. person i'm not really I mean, I, yeah, I've played some Tetris in my days, you know. <laughs> sounds so you sounded silly. so old there, man. Yeah. Back I've on like some Tetris. Back on Game Boy Color, which was my first Game Boy. Yeah, we had the old Tetris carts from the original Game Boy. And that was like, you know, you go through the phase of Tetris is a fun, cool game and it's 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 a perfect game, I'd say. It's in that realm, but it's also oh, just for Tetris. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um so no, I never got into Tetris Effect, but isn't that a VR game too? Am I tripping? Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay. a whole experience, man. Okay. <laughs> that would be cool. I might like when the day comes, if I ever get a VR unit, then that'd be something I'd look, you know, looking to try. This just seems like a vibe out game. Like just, if you want a good time to just chill yeah. and play and enjoy some tunes, it looks really cool. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Xbox is getting Tetris effect finally, because a lot of people laud that for being one of the best PS4 exclusives period. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which is kind of like you to your point it is just tetris when you boil it down but <sighs> hey man if you nail that formula with a good soundtrack people are gonna love it because it is at its base such a perfect game tetris is mm-hmm. awesome they're pure pure unadulterated mm-hmm. Perfection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, this one was interesting. So this is from the creators of Steam World. Uh, I love Steam World. Dig. If you played any of the Steam World games, they're really solid uh, 2D platformers. Uh, Metroidvanias for the most part. This one's coming 2021. It's called The Gunk. Features uh, a black protagonist, this girl who lands on this planet. She looks like an explorer of some sort, and it seems like her mission is to go out and find. My assumption on the trailer is like habitable spaces. Like, I don't know if they're trying to restart the human colony or what exactly is happening, but she's going out and exploring these worlds. And there's like this gunk mechanic with her vacuum gave me some like Super Mario Sunshine vibes in that way, Uh, especially at the end when she there's like this whole blockage and she sucks it up and she goes through this tunnel and it opens up this whole new area. I think this could be really cool. I don't think it showed necessarily the best. I, I think there could have been a couple more shots of the world at large. And I'm also, I don't know if you feel the same way, Dom. I'm not sure exactly what the gameplay loop is. Is this a survival game where I'm going out getting stuff and then crafting? Is this um, like an open world game? You know what I mean? Where I'm checking out boxes. I don't exactly know what the game yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, mentioning that it is a female black protagonist. I do think that Xbox did a great job at, uh diversity in this whole presentation there was a bunch of different types of uh protagonists on screen and characters in general it wasn't just a bunch of white dudes uh walking towards the camera with the gun you know what i mean which is awesome to see next up speaking of uh not a white dude the medium this is a horror game that we saw during the may event and it looked really cool but we weren't sure exactly what's the thing with this game like we saw her going between two spaces but what's what's happening there and from what it seems, and I could be wrong, I want you to tell me, Dom, if you feel the same way. When they popped up and they showed the simultaneous um, gameplay that's happening at the same time between the two worlds, did you read that as it's split screen and you're playing both at the same time, or do you think it's you're switching back and forth between the two? This is actually a question I wanted to ask you because <laughs> I didn't know. Either what way, the hell cool. Was... Yeah. Yeah. This was, this lo- I mean, it looked incredible, but it was also. I'm not really sure entirely what's going on here. I'm in. I'm all in. This looks <laughs> yeah. dope. And this is right up my alley. But I have a lot of questions still in, in it. Yeah, I don't know. It Man, it brought me back to Titanfall 2, right? You know the mission everyone loves, the time loop mission where you're going back and forth between. I, I'm down either way. I think if it's like a split screen thing where you're playing both of them in, in real time at the same time, that gets me more excited because it is a new gameplay experience. Totally. If it is just switching back and forth, I'm still 100% down. I'm excited. But mm-hmm. the other one excites me a little bit more. Um, what were we talking about last week in terms of like new gameplay experiences? Watch Dogs Legion, right? Yes. I'm. The reason I'm so excited for that game is because it is something I haven't done in a video game before, right? And with the medium, if it is the one we were talking about where it's like split screen in real time at the same time, that's what gets me excited for next gen. It's something I haven't played before. Um, but yeah, we're both down, we're both in. This was the game where the dev had said, like, this is a, we're building this for Series X because we couldn't do this the way we want to on the old, on the current consoles, right? So that's cool too, because um, maybe like that, that plays into this weird, you know, gameplay element of like it's something that the tech has helped driving. It's kind of cool to think about. 
Yeah, and you know, we're not necessarily 100% for launch exclusives generally because obviously we want everyone to be able to play dope games. But in the same sense, something that we have to bring up is if Microsoft funding this in any way will lead to a sequel if this game is good enough and sells well enough, I'm 100% down for that because, you know, sometimes that's just the way the business goes. You have to make these mm -hmm. deals in order for stuff to happen. So, yeah. Uh, next up, something that necessarily for both of us, but I know a lot of people are super stoked. A new expansion for Fantasy Star Online 2 is coming uh, called New Genesis, coming in 2021. Yeah. If you remember last E3, a lot of people lost their mind because... People have been waiting a long time for PSO2 to come to the West, and Phil Spencer made it happen, and the beta happened first on Xbox, and then it came to PC as well. So, once again, we talked about the Japanese uh, developers coming over and putting their stuff on Xbox. Um, the catalog in general of having games for everybody, right? That's the whole point of these shows when they're very good. It's like, I don't expect everything to be for me. That's a little selfish and self-entitled. But having something for everyone, I know somebody was watching the show and they might not have cared at all about the medium, Dom. But once they saw this new expansion for Fantasy Star Online 2, lost their dang minds, right? Mm -hmm. it, yeah, this this was one where I was. OK, sure. A pee break uh, game, a pee break. Yeah, game. <laughs> yeah. It lo it's crazy because it's like swords and then like mechs and then you change to a gun. What I, I will uh... say, no opinion on the game. Bad faces. Face very weird. <laughs> I had initially thought um, that this was, uh, what's the Nintendo game? God, why can't I think of the name all of a sudden? Oh, it's an RPG series. Xenoblade. Xenoblade? I thought this was, yeah, <laughs> I thought this was Xenoblade for a minute. I'm like, this might be cool. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just not in my ballpark. But like you said, I'm sure that there's a big old audience that's like fucking lit for this. So that's cool. This actually reminded me, I cannot wait for that Monster Hunter World 2 announcement. Because that Ooh. game sold so well. It's coming. That we we're getting coming, a sequel. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, I just want to hunt big things with a sword. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, Crossfire X. We got the campaign for this. So if you're unfamiliar, this is a first-person shooter that's really big in South Korea and China, like Call of Duty levels of huge, super popular. They partnered with Remedy, yes, that Remedy, Control Remedy, to make the single player for this game. And that alone has me excited because, like, Crossfire X, it kind of reads as just your generic first-person shooter, yada, yada, yada. This trailer for that campaign had some, like, G.I. Joe stuff going on some like slight Metal Gear Solid stuff going on with, you know, remedies designed for the weird and innate and kind of creepy. I'm down to see more of this. I like the trailer. I'll probably never touch the multiplayer parts of this because I've heard that mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily work well with Western standards for shooters, but I'm down for a remedy campaign with some weird military stuff going on, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give me, you know, is this control Alan Wake in a different setting kind of a, you know, rep, like you said, remedy, let's go. Um, I'll play a campaign. Yeah. If it's, if this is the closest we'll get to a new metal gear game, I think some people will dip their toe in and check it out. Uh, next up, this wasn't a third party launch exclusive thing, but this falls in the realm of third party. And I think this is huge too. Might not be for everybody, but I love seeing Bungie uh, and Microsoft working mm. together again. Destiny two is coming to game pass on November 10th, which is big in and of itself. But it's also coming with all of the expansions that are currently out, which is also huge. Uh, and on top of that, if you have a, a Game Pass Ultimate, you'll be able to play Destiny through Destiny 2 on mobile through xCloud, which is also huge. So a bunch of big news for there for Destiny 2. We saw once they left Activision, Bungie did. They kind of were now obviously free agents in indie, and they probably were looking to partner with somebody for the future of Destiny in terms of marketing. And 
I think Microsoft kind of, in a way, felt bad for the way the relationship ended with Bungie right after Halo. So it's just cool to see them working together again. I might hop into Destiny 2 this fall just because everything is on Game Pass. Will I be hooked? Likely not. But I can try all of it out for free, which is really, well, you know, free, quote-unquote, Game Pass. But I think it's a huge announcement. And they also mentioned the 4K 60 FPS update coming to Xbox Series X as well, which is great. Um, I think this is good for the legs of Destiny 2, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. This, from, you know, from a, from a lot of people's perspective, this was probably like, all right, yeah, okay, Destiny. I mean, we already knew about this expansion. Who cares? Who cares? Whatever, this is stupid. But the Game Pass part of this makes it a big deal. Um, I'm with you 100%. And yeah, it's it's good news, like, yeah, for like you said, for the longevity of Destiny 2 in itself. So I think it's cool. In terms of pacing, I think the two biggest those moments you just talked about were the Watch Dogs Legion trailer and this. And I thought mm-hmm. they didn't stay too long. I think they no, didn't overstay yeah. their welcome at all. They're in, they're no. out. Because the moment she announced the Destiny 2 thing and then she said, let's see a trailer for Beyond Light. I was Me, myself, I was like, oh, God. And the trailer was like 25, 30 seconds. It was like in yeah, and out. I was like, uh-huh. okay, cool. Let's get to the big cool. boys. Though. Yeah, like it, it does. Even if you don't play Destiny, you're like, that looks cool. That's that's pretty sweet. Oh, Destiny 2? Probably not going to play it. That was a fun trailer to watch, though. I don't know. But even if you don't get an Xbox Series X, imagine all the kids this fall who can get Destiny 2 on Game Pass and play with their friends and have all that content, all of those expansions. Dude. There's a bunch of expansions for that game, right? Like, yeah. Like five or a lot, right? Like, there's a lot of DLC. Yeah. And we're just, that's not just expansions. You also have to throw in all of like the medium updates and the seasonal updates and all that stuff, too. A lot of content there. Now that we're over with all that, let's get to the big boys, Tom. Let's get to Xbox Game Studios, the first party titles and partnerships uh, that they're doing. A lot to go through. I want to start with this. It it happened two announcements later, but I think it's the most prominent thing. Phil Spencer came up in his beautiful Halo Infinite blue t-shirt that I totally want. Finally got a mic. He appeared in all of these other presentations with his grandfather's mic. Nope. Put in the budget for this, this, which is funny. I thought it could have been a red herring of like, I'm going to save the best for when we're on my show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me let me do with what I can here at my own home office. But when we do ours, I'm going to, you know, make sure it looks professional. He came out and he said, set expectations. You know, we're going to show nine studio games. Out of the 15, we're going to show nine, which I think was good because it did set those expectations of, hey, just understand we're not showing everything. I want to let you know we're showing nine of the 15 studios, which I thought was great. And then he dropped this bombshell that I thought got underreported, that I thought was such a baller move. All the games you're going to see today, you're going to get on Game Pass if you're a subscriber. All of them. 100%. Dude, no exceptions. That, that line, that to me is the headline. That is like the nuke, you know, the grenade that kind of like makes this whole conference, you know, this whole showcase like boom. Like this, that's the whole point. To me, that was yeah. like, that's everything right here. That's what makes this all like next level. That's what puts it, you know, that's the defining feature of where they're going. Well, yeah, and then the marketing behind, yo, you may have to spend 400 to 500 on our new console, but if you subscribe to Game Pass, this whole lineup we just showed you, you get that day one when they launch, you know? The value prop is huge. But let's get into the actual games now. Oh, that's great. Phil Spencer, awesome. Let's get into the actual games. We're going to start with the big boy, the one everyone tuned in for, the one that was confirmed, Halo Infinite from 343. So we both predicted it was going to cold open the show, and boy, did it ever. <laughs> they had the countdown, which was really cool. 
and then it led straight into a cutscene for Halo Infinite that led into gameplay. The cutscene uh, followed was followed with extended gameplay, obviously, and then it ends with the introduction of the campaign's brute villain, which I don't think we got a name for. He called out Atriox. They're fighting in in the name of Atriox. I loved his speech where he was like, two two legends battle. Uh, this will live in history long after we die or whatever. I was like, oh, sick. And then he's like, Master Chief, Barrier Tusks or whatever. I just thought it was a really cool speech that was well delivered. A little hard to understand at times, but I think it's point of yeah. the, the point of the characters. He's an alien trying to talk. It's like you wouldn't expect him to have perfect human dialogue, right? I think he got the point across. Um, another standout for me was, and we'll get into the gameplay specifically, I thought the performance by the pilot was really good at the beginning. Yes. And I do think it solves a major problem with Halo with Master Chief being behind that uniform. You have a human connection. You have somebody who mm-hmm. has stakes and you have to care about because Cortana is no longer there. And even then Cortana is like this AI. It's so it's kind of hard to, yeah. yeah, it's kind of hard to like care about it. You have this human connection. You know, he has a family. Remember the teaser we know about that. We'll probably learn about that in the game as well. And I think at moments he'll be what ties to you caring about the narrative of the game. Mm-hmm. And I thought his performance, I, I was sold on his character. Normally you see humans in a, in a Halo game. It's like, that's just human number two giving me directions, yada, yada, yada. They're about to get slaughtered when they get in my Warthog later, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel for this guy in the short time. Obviously, I don't mm-hmm. super care about him yet, but I can feel the, the, the roots there building into me of like, man, if this guy dies, I'm going to be so sad. Um, with that out of the way, let's talk about the the gameplay. I don't have any specifics written down. I just... Off the cuff, Dom, what did you find most exciting about the gameplay you saw? Most exciting was this is a this is a giant Halo, and it's it's the Halo, and it, it, as far as you can tell, like this, it's open, and you can just go and do things in whatever direction and order you want. Um, they emphasize that when Chief gets on that lift, right? And then he looks out onto the horizon, and you're like, "Oh crap! Look at all that stuff." It reminded me of like those moments in dark souls when you get to a top you know the the top of a big building and you can see the rest of the world where you just were you're like oh wow that's incredible like that's 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 the world i'm playing in that's what it felt like and that was cool that along with when he opened up the map and it was just a holographic map or whatever like you press select for which is new for halo though and it showed like this is a big old level there's a lot going on here and (laughs) we can explore and do all sorts of different things out here like that's what was like next level about about this and what i think made this cool like that's what that's what made this not just another halo game right like that's what's going to set it apart i was i was high on it i think too a big thing going in we heard rumblings of this grappling hook and in five minutes they sold me on it they sold me on (laughs) individual uh combat encounters where you can pull yourself towards an enemy but they also sold it later when he pulled uh an energy container to him grabbed it and then was able to throw it at somebody I thought mm-hmm. that's huge too. It's showing multi-purpose and then uh, traversal, right? He uses it to get up to that bridge area where there's a broken yep. bridge on that hill. Mm-hmm. So they showed three different ways to use that grappling hook and show its effectiveness. And then they had the slide mechanic too. Um, obviously, introducing new mechanics like that into Halo is pretty divisive because yeah, people love the OG no sprint stuff. And I'm of the camp that like I love the classic Halo, but it does need to refine itself in a modern way so that way it does get the fan base of gamers who didn't grow up with that OG Halo and they can fall in love with the new version of Halo where it still is classic. Um, I think the big concern people have is with the expanded scope is there still going to be the strong narrative elements there. And I do think they sold that as well because as big and open as the map looked, the moment he went up to the top and the story beat started, 
it wasn't like Destiny where a lot of the story stuff is still happening in gameplay at the same time. This was like a steady cutscene where you're focusing on the actual narrative of the game. So I'm I'm not concerned with that. I think they kind of sold me on not having to worry about that. And I don't think it's an open world game. To your point, I do think it's open yeah. spaces, right? Where there's just mm-hmm. these large, vast big levels, uh, playgrounds. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It no, this looks incredible. <laughs> they, this is the type of game they have like one of the hardest jobs in the world of balancing what you started to talk about about like you know the originalists, you know the the OGs who are like, do not mess with my Halo formula. I want it to play exactly like this, because during some of those initial gunfights, I got that vibe of like. Yeah, this looks like Halo. This looks like Halo combat. Really tight, you know, refined Halo combat, but that's what it looks like. It wasn't blowing my mind. But there's probably a lot of people who are, like, super happy about that, right? Yeah. Like, they didn't change that very core feel of it too much. You still have that assault rifle without, you know, zooming in. Um, And a lot of that is still the same, just, just refined. But they add a little bit, you know, this grappling hook mechanic, which is, like, it's new, but it doesn't alter, and it, it doesn't alter that fundamental thing, that gameplay that everyone loves about it, right? Um, that feel. So I think, to me, they had a hard task ahead of them to try to find that balance of like doing new and innovative stuff, but also you know still pleasing the the OG fans. And I can't, I don't know how you do that any better than how they did, um, based on this trailer. Well, and I think the thing too we often forget about is. People want to position Halo against God of War or Last of Us because it is obviously Xbox's number one AAA franchise, right, that everyone knows about. And to the single-player perspective, yeah, it needs to try to meet that and have a captivating single-player, but they also have the issue of trying to release a multiplayer suite that people fall in love with and is incredible as well, right? Which Mm -hmm. is, you can compare it to Call of Duty in a sense, but Call of Duty doesn't necessarily market their campaign in the same way halo markets its campaign and multiplayer it's a very hard feat to do Mm -hmm. and for them to sell people yeah for people to sell for them to sell people today on the single player is great and we still don't know much about the multiplayer um it's i can see this game coming out with no battle royale and then in like in a year that being the big update right of like yo Mm -hmm. we're releasing halo battle royale uh and it could be a warzone situation where it's a separate download or it could work with the same title or whatever, but I'm very excited for Halo Infinite. We had some additional details though, Dom. I don't know if you saw these after the the event happened. So there's some additional de- details by 343 in the interview by Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN. Good work by Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, so 343 sees Halo Infinite as a platform to grow over time. Last standalone release for foreseeable future. New story content will be for Halo Infinite. And then they'll also be offering a, a free ray tracing update after launch. So it is going to be a platform, but what it seems like is we might get story expansions uh, added to Halo, which hasn't really ever been done before. We've gotten obviously new maps and stuff like that. But instead of ushering in a new like Halo 6 or 7 or whatever they'd call it, a mainline, it seems like they'd rather just add new story content to this and make sense with the name Halo Infinite, right? Yeah, I mean, this is all... I saw those details. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That that makes sense. We all kind of suspected this based on the name Infinite, right? Um, but yeah, that sounds great. It, I'm in. I, I do think we shouldn't hold our breath uh, for... I do think there is still a place where we could get an ODST or a Reach. I think this is more so them talking about this is the last standalone release for mainline Halo, right? This, like, this is the main project. Um, and then the ray tracing update, obviously, yeah. Some people are like, how come that isn't at launch? 
I think with COVID, I think without COVID, it probably would have been for launch. But a lot of these studios have to make sacrifices. And I'm like, if I'm getting a ray tracing upgrade uh, update afterwards, it's completely fine if it makes it so you hit your launch date for the game. Like ray tracing, though, it's something I look forward to on next gen is an end all be all for my next gen experience. Right. Kind of like with the Spider-Man Miles Morales and them. I, I was going to say it. Yeah. yeah, the 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 game mode being optional 4K 60. People are like, well, why is it optional? That's weird. Like, what's the like what's the trade off there? And to me, I'm like, whatever you got to do to get this game out, <laughs> get it out. I'll deal with the issues because we are at the beginning of a console, and I do think people are having this weird idea in their brains of like, well, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn and Spider Man don't necessarily look like Last of Us or. Uh, you know, these other titles like, well, yeah, those are at the end of a console where people have all this experience with it. We're going to have some rough patches where we're still going to get incredible games, but they're not going to be as polished as these mid to late gen titles. Right. I would actually say in addition to like, you're right, you got it right on. It's like, okay, yeah, ray tracing. They're going to, they need a couple extra weeks, months, whatever, like to get it done. And like, you know what, better that than like delay the whole game out of the launch window. Right. Yeah. Um, for the for series x um but yeah I, I just it's to me i'd say the transparency is cool instead of it coming out on launch day and then yeah. digital foundry puts a video out and then everyone's like Where, where's my damn ray tracing it, they're saying it now you know yeah it's it's a little bit buried by all the cool stuff but they're still being transparent about it and like w- way ahead of time which i you know i applaud because they probably are still like Part of them would like to get that done in time for launch, right? But yeah. they don't see it happening. So they're like, we're going to be honest with you guys. That's coming later. And Halo is also going through currently the Spider-Man puddle situation on Twitter too, which is like so dumb. I, I hate just, that shit, dude. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Yeah. One of the biggest surprises to me, and though it was only a CG trailer, I want to talk about the implications of what this trailer means. And that's the Undead Labs trailer for State of Decay 3. It started with a woman, once again, a black woman, which is dope, uh, in a forest at a campfire. And uh, this wolf comes up on her and she screams it at it. It's very kind of terrifying. Which, which had me like pushed back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, all right. I'm cool. It was a very visceral, guttural scream. Like she yeah. was like, I'm screaming for my survival. Get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, dude, I get it. Bye. And yeah. then it cuts to her walking through this winter wonderland. Maybe not a wonderland. <laughs> a winter wasteland. A wasteland, yeah. And she comes across the wolf that was approaching her camp earlier, and it's being eaten. And you're like, this is the part where it's like, what's eating the wolf? Like, what's the what's the reveal here? <laughs> and it turns out it's a deer, and you're like, why the hell is a deer eating a wolf? That doesn't make any sense. And then it turns, and you see it's half zombified. And I'm like, oh, crazy. And then it cuts <laughs> to State of Decay 3. Now, in and of itself, it's like, cool, You're it's a teaser trailer for another zombie game. I think the big thing here, and we talked about this when Undead Labs was acquired by Microsoft, is State of Decay 1 was cool, a neat little indie title. State of Decay 2, kind of rough, evolved the State of Decay formula, but still didn't seem like it was fully what people want from it. The moment they were acquired, it's like, now you have the budget and the funding of Microsoft, and just like a game we'll get to a little bit later with Obsidian, Microsoft is like, what's your dream game? What's your vision? We'll back that. We want you to make that. And to me, I think State of Decay 3 will be the AAA high-quality jump that State of Decay fans have wanted. And it might not necessarily be like super polished AAA. It still might have its weird little quirks. But I do think we're going to see a jump from a, oh, this is a cute indie AA title to, oh, this is a first-party game, you know? 
yeah, there's there's two point of views you could have looking at this. Like like you just said, oh, yep, it's a you know another double A kind of game lacking polish. Or you can look at it from the optimistic point of view, which there's evidence to do so. Like you said, you know they've been acquired by Microsoft since then. They got some funding, and this CG trailer like looked dope. So like this maybe this is where it be this franchise becomes the next level thing. You know what I mean? Like why not hope and assume that? I guess instead of just throwing it out to the to the wolves is like unpolished crap, which I, I, I'm with you. I I've, I think it'll be like, this is going to be like a great triple A game, probably way more polished than the first two games. Um, and like more and more depth to it. Um, more scope, everything. I, I got the same vibe with, as you. Well, yeah, the teaser trailer itself is way higher quality than any of the teasers we've seen for the first two, two state of decays. Right. Even the second one, if you remember, there's a trailer where they're driving in a car and he slams a zombie with the door. Remember? That Which looked cool, cool uh, but it wasn't high quality. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was still, oh, this is a double-A-ish kind of game, right, in terms of budget. Um, and, yeah, I do think the next time we see State of Decay 3, it'll be them showing, like, no, this is State of Decay now. And I do think there'll be a jaw-dropping moment for people, which will be really cool. Um, I just think people need to set their expectations that it will be a jump from what we've seen with State of Decay 2, but don't expect it to go from State of Decay 2 to God of War or Last of Us. You know what I mean? Like, be a little bit sure. realistic with the jump okay, they're yeah. going to make. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Turn 10. They showed off Forza Motorsport, which interestingly enough, wasn't Forza Motorsport 8, Dom. Just Forza Motorsport. I which has people wondering that. if they're just going to cut the number off and start anew and have it be a platform as well. 8 is kind of a high number if you're not Final Fantasy, right? So it kind of makes sense. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't. <laughs> Why think... do we give Final Fantasy that pass, by the way? <laughs> Good question for uh, another day. Because they're Japanese. Um <laughs> Some people were surprised that this game is going to be launched title, but we've known Turn 10 said that the game's still a ways off. Like, we weren't going to really see much. Um, and it is why they're marketing Dirt 5 so much for the launch of the console as well. Cool in-game footage for a racing game. It's what you expect. Super pretty. If you love cars, you're going to think it's awesome. Um, to me, I wonder if, and this is something maybe you will have a different opinion on, Dom. People are looking at this and wondering, wow, I wonder why Forza Motorsport isn't coming out along the console. The way the pattern has been, it should have came out last year, technically. So people thought, okay, at worst, it's coming out this year. Part of me thinks that maybe the reason Forza Motorsport was delayed is partially because of next-gen hardware, right? They want to make that racing game look as beautiful as possible. But I wonder if, in the same sentence, Playground is putting so much effort into Fable, separate teams, obviously, from Horizon, but I wonder if they have some extra team from the racing side of Playground working on Fable, right? And their horizon is going to be maybe a little bit delayed. So in that same sense, it's like, well, we don't need Forza Motorsport right now. You guys delay a little bit too, giving essentially Playground an extra year to focus on Fable. You know what I mean? I could see that. Yeah. Um, I was more thinking like, this is going to be more revolutionary than previous that could also be the case as well yeah could be both not not just like technically because i think that's a big part of it is that there's new hardware and we want to max that shit out um but maybe like they're doing some other weird new stuff that i am too dumb and ignorant to know about to make this like a you know like a redefining what this game has been because it it's been seven games i could you know could get exhausted on you know the eighth Forza game, so maybe like they, they're taking they're taking that Assassin's Creed year off to like regroup, regather. What can we do to make this like next level? Let's take a, a bigger step this time. Well, and that team too, Turn Ten and Playground Two years off. are like 
considered some of the best racing game studios in the world, bar none, right? And they hit it out of the park every time. Everyone's yeah. like, there's no way this Forza can be better than the last. And it always is. And I wonder at what point, as a studio, you have to like sit back and take a reset and be like, we need to figure out a way to keep this going in a way we can handle. Because we're reaching this bar and setting a new one every other year. What is the new thing moving into next generation? And the break gives them enough space to be like, oh, we're just cutting off the eight. We're starting with a new, what the new motorsport will be moving forward, right? I think you're on point with that. I just thought it was a weird thing that you could play into like, because they'll delay a year, it gives them more time to innovate, but also gives Playground an extra year since they come after motorsport and they can focus on Fable at the same time. It's like a win-win, right? For yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's that's gotta be part of it too. Uh, next up, Everwild. This is a game I'm super excited for. Uh, we didn't get gameplay necessarily. You can make an argument that some of that stuff was probably like gameplay-ish, but we saw a look at more awesome creatures in this world. It was the Breath of the Wild-esque uh, art that people fell in love with when it was revealed to XO19. It, this sold me even more. Would I have liked gameplay? Duh, obviously. But I do think they showed enough like new of the world that it wasn't just another logo, right? I think there was enough new there where people got a better feeling for the world. There's magic. There's like some resurrection going on. It alludes to multiplayer in some sense. I just got to say, this is like one of the most beautiful games I've seen recently. Like the art style, Rare killed it. It It's weird because it, you could see some of the elements of uh, Sea of Thieves, but it doesn't have like necessarily the same faces. And the environments are like, I can't wait to see those on next gen. Like it's just going to be so beautiful. What did you think? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I was... I was like, kind of, I don't really know entirely what's going on here, what this game is supposed to play like, but that didn't really matter because it looks so cool. Like the art style was so cool. The, the creatures were really cool looking. I was just like, yeah, I could see this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just love when artists create these weird dynamic creatures that we haven't seen before. Like th they did a good job of those creatures don't look so alien that it's like, oh, this totally isn't Earth but they don't look like animals we know necessarily. It's like these weird amalgamations, mm -hmm. um, kind of like Avatar in a way, The Last Airbender, not the Pocahontas uh, remake. <laughs> um, anyways, next up, uh, Don't Nod. We saw Tell Me Why. So this is their episodic story game. It features a transgender lead, uh, which is really cool. They actually, if you guys haven't been paying attention, there's this fiasco going on right now with Deadly Premonition 2 and Sweary in terms of how the trans characters are portrayed in that game. On top of the fact that uh, the spoiler cast, which will be up before you watching the, or watching or listening to this for Last of Us 2 that we did, one of my, I want to say concerns, one of my issues with The Last of Us Part 2 was the trans character in that game. Um, and I think it's really cool that we're just starting to see generally more trans characters, right, in video games. It's dope. And the cool thing with this, Dom, is what's our problem with episodic games in general? What's the problem with episodic games? Too long between episodes, right? Exactly. So, not only did we find out that Tell Me Why's first episode is coming out August 27th, the second episode comes out the week after, and the third episode comes out the week after that. It's only three episodes, all releasing within three weeks of each other. I think that's really cool. It's the first, correct me if I'm wrong, the first example of, like, appointment viewing gaming? Like, oh, every Thursday, the new episode's coming out, and I get to play it for three weeks. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool, because that was always it felt like the promise of the telltale games yes <laughs> where it was like one one episode a month but i don't think it ever actually amounted <laughs> no. to that 
It got maybe it got close with some of them, but it was it like was always... one, one, and then like two, and then like four. <laughs> right. So yeah. what I I mean, this looks cool. Um, it, this is kind of a hard game to make a trailer for because it's like the story is so much a part of it, but you don't want to spoil the whole story, right? For but sure. I was into it, and this is like. We should probably get like in sync on this and do like a book club sort of thing as we play through these or something. For sure. And it'll be on Game Pass, which is dope as well. Exactly. So, yeah, it looks really cool. I'm excited to play it, excited to see it. The story is intriguing. Uh, and once again, like, yeah, once a week being able to play it. And I assume it probably won't be longer than like four or five hours, right? Each one, which I'd assume probably closer to three. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. They're launching all in sequence like that. And to me, I hope Xbox partners with Don't Nod for the rest of the generation like this. And if we can get these episodic, you know, experiences where it's like once a week, but maybe it only happens every like year and a half, right? I'd be totally down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the problem with episodic games, and it seems like they're solving it. Hopefully, man, it would suck if that first episode comes out and then it's like, yo, episode two is delayed. I don't think it will. I think they probably waited to give a date until all three episodes were in the can. Yeah, is my assumption. You gotta assume um, that's how they did it. Yeah. Uh, next up, not a huge announcement, but Moon Studio said they're basically making an Xbox Series X version of Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, it's going to be optimized for 120 FPS, which is crazy. And they touted performance and audio upgrades that weren't possible on current tech. And they also said smart delivery. So if you already own Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is also in Game Pass, obviously, you'll get this free upgrade on the Xbox Series X as well. Really they cool. Said, yeah, they said this kind of thing so many times, and I think it's super smart, like, they said it with Halo. We're going to deliver a solid, a consistent 60 frames per second. A few other games said that. And then for Ori, like you just said, 120 frames per second on Series X. And it's like, I'm like, I'm sitting over here like, you know, if it's like 30, then it's cool, right? But I know like frames per FPS is like, people are eating that shit up right now. Um, and, and it matters, but they're really like taking advantage of like the hardware and like letting people know like series X is going to be able to like really make this shit smooth and nice. Um, so I, that was like a good way that they started selling that console specifically. I think it was cool. And I mean, I loved Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It's up there right now in contention for game of the year for me, but it did have a lot of like weird technical hiccups that I hope get oh, ironed out as right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's that next up, uh, which in my opinion, Dom, in this whole presentation, Obsidian kind of showed that they might end up being, Microsoft's most valuable studio. Yeah, that yeah. cash cow right now, I think. Yeah. So first up, we got the Outer Worlds DLC. It's called Peril on Gorgon. It's coming out September 9th, really soon. A neat little tidbit at the end. He mentioned one of two planned expansions. So we're getting a second mm-hmm. DLC for this game as well, which is an agreement they made with Private Division, obviously probably long before Microsoft purchased them. And another tidbit, Dom, do you remember a while back when we found out that the Outer Worlds, obviously the Outer Worlds and the Outer Wilds, the names are confusing, right? And then we found out that the writer of Outer Wilds was going to work at Obsidian on the Outer Worlds. I don't know if you remember that story we talked about. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah. This this expansion is written by him. Completely. I'm going to see the fruits of that labor. And that, yeah, exactly. That kind of, I mean, We'll have to play this expansion and then like go back to our conversation and what we thought it might end up looking like or something. <laughs> yeah. It is cool, though, because obviously the Outer Wilds had a lot of narrative stuff that people loved. So I'm really intrigued to see his twist on the Outer Worlds. He even made a tweet today. He's like, people thought I couldn't work on the Outer Wilds and the Outer Worlds, but I did. <laughs> like a nice little cheeky tweet. That's really good. cool. Yeah. 
Next up, we had Grounded, which is the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids survival game. Really funny cyberpunk joke at uh, cyberpunk joke at the top of oh, it. Oh man! Where they're like, if you're looking for the biggest game this year, uh, yada yada yada, look out for cyberpunk. But if you want the smallest game this year, look yeah. out for Grounded, which I thought was even brave. Brave is, I guess, too strong of a word. It was nice and open for Microsoft to do that because they're kind of pooping a little bit on Halo Five in a way because it's like the I biggest was... game yeah yeah i was thinking the same thing like from one perspective it's like okay yeah you're saying cyberpunk is bigger than you know last of us 2 like yeah that makes sense but you're also saying it's bigger than halo infinite um so so there's that but then you're also calling obviously it's a pun but you're calling your game grounded the smallest game even though it's a pun you know some people might go away with that i loved it though i I think it was a good joke and and also we can't forget that cyberpunk has the marketing deal with xbox so it's like for all right. intents and purposes of the general consumer, that is going to be an Xbox game, right? So it works. Um, yeah, they showed a Battletoads Easter egg, which is weird because we didn't even see Battletoads in this whole presentation, which that, that'll be a conversation we have at the end about some of the games we didn't see. Uh, it's releasing 728, which is, you'll it'll be out before you, after you listen to this podcast, but only in a couple of days it'll be out. I'm going to hop into the open beta. Uh, very intriguing to see how the survival game plays. My biggest question with these type of games is, is it fun enough solo, right, Dom? Um, yeah. Can I have a good enough experience with it? I love the art style. Uh, I would suggest if anybody out there has a fear of spiders, I don't know if I'd suggest playing this game because running into a giant spider as a little kid might be a little uh, scary for some people out there, especially like in a dark cave. Um, the last thing from Obsidian, Dom, which we talked about is one of my most anticipated games now, they came out and they said, oh, you might be wondering what the next big RPG from Obsidian is. Check it out. <laughs> I was under the assumption we might get a logo or something. Man. We got this really cool CG trailer, which I would argue I think the end of it is gameplay to some extent. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, and basically, it's a fantasy world. It takes place in the lore of Pillars of Eternity, but this is a first-person RPG, um, which is cool because I think it's going to be in the realm of if for me and you have no ties to Pillars of Eternity, we're going to be able to get in and the way Obsidian is a storyteller, we'll be fine. But people who have played Pillars of Eternity, I bet you there'll be a ton of really cool stuff for them for investing in that franchise, right? At the end of it, we see the typical but also awesome fantasy thing of you got a weapon in your right hand, you got magic in your left. The magic to me looks way more impressive than the closest comparison to this, which is Skyrim. He was doing like some Doctor Strange glyph stuff, which looked really cool. I got so much Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings vibes. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Dom, for a split second in this trailer at the beginning when they're firing the arrows, I thought this might be a licensed Lord of the Rings game from Obsidian. For a split second. Can you imagine? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I-, I love this. I've talked enough. I want to hear your impressions of seeing a vowed come up on screen. No, this is... This was dope. Like, this is what brought this whole sh- this whole um, showcase to, like, yeah, okay. This is, like, it, you know, on, on the par with what PlayStation did. Like, this is where not only is Xbox, like, blowing our minds with all the shit's coming to Game Pass, and Game Pass is cheap as hell, by the way. But, like, not only all that, but, like, our exclusives that we're now making are, like, gonna be, like, next level, like, bomb-dropping shit. Like, this is, like, to me, was just, like, the the piece there is like this was just awesome and this was like what i said before what i assume elder scrolls 6 would look like which is i have high expectations for that um yeah that's what i saw out of this and 
It's Obsidian. We know they make a pretty damn good Fallout game, right? <laughs> Which in New Vegas and Outer Worlds even is really good. So like to see them basically like, you know, their own take on a fantasy RPG in first person, I'm ready for it. Like it was brief, but it looked good and it was it was enough to get me super hyped. Um it's like name after Elder Scrolls, what's like the next best first person fantasy RPG? I don't know. There's a lot of third person ones, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that are pretty good. But this was like since Skyrim like seeing that first person view and like how good that little magical glyph looked that you mentioned that he drew and that sword in the right hand, like this just, this was like what I've been waiting for for Elder Scrolls six and it delivered teaser trailer. Sure. But I'm ready. You brought this up before the show. Can you tell people what Matt Booty's quote was about this? Shit. What did I say? What did he say? I was setting you up. Remember he talked about how this is the game they wanted to make when they purchased them. Yes. That's the other part that. Yeah. When, uh, when Microsoft purchased Obsidian, they said, uh, this is the game we want to make. And you got to think that Microsoft, like this game specifically was part of the reason they bought Obsidian because um, they believed in this game and Obsidian obviously believes in this game. This is what they want to do. This is not only like, this is just their passion. This is what they're going to put it all into. And now they got the budget and they got, they got the Series X, which this is being built for, which is exciting to hear about. Might be might mean it's a little farther off, but still, I'm in for it. This was like my highlight of the show. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, this, me too. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, next up, uh, one of my only, I, I I don't I rarely get disappointed with stuff. One of my disappointments of the show was Ninja Theory not showing more of Senua's uh, saga. Sure. Um, they talked about they're scouting in Iceland. And that's the location of the game. And there's a cool behind-the-scenes video on their YouTube, which I'm going to watch after we record this podcast. I haven't had a chance to go check it out. Um, yeah, and disappointment I might be too strong of a word. I was just hoping to see that. And also, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I haven't even played the first game yet. Um, but that teaser at the Game Awards last year was so good. Um, and I do think they didn't need to show it necessarily. Like we, I think most people who have either played the game or haven't are sold on the second one. And I do think maybe they want to hold off till the next time we see it is like, yo, this is Hellblade 2, right? So I get it. Um, Dude, play next that game. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's I will. Good. <laughs> uh, next up, Interior Knight, who, if you didn't know, Dumb, these are all former Quantic Dream people. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, As Dusk Falls, it's this beautiful stop motion game. It's their debut for the studio. I would describe it as like a stop motion narrative game. Very distinct art style. Looks like photographs that have been painted over. Um, they called it an interactive drama, I think. Yeah. This Which is interesting. It, so we often talk about innovative gameplay mechanics in terms of like, you know, action-based games, right? This could be a new way for narrative-driven games to be told, where it's this stop-motion thing. Maybe not necessarily the same art style, but this could be a new way to tell stories that isn't a quote-unquote walking sim or, uh, you know, a dialogue uh, boxes after boxes, right? I'm intrigued by it. I think this game could definitely be a dark horse, uh, you know, that wins, you know, art of the year or, uh, you know, narrative of the year. This looks like it could have the workings of something special. And the Mm -hmm. art style alone is really interesting. Yeah, this is for me. This one for me was like a cure. It created a lot of curiosity. I'm not like super hyped yet. Um, yeah i mean because 
it'll live and die by the story, right? Just like the other, like, just like the, the don't nod game. If the story doesn't hit, then it's not going to be good at all. Um, so this, like, you have that same thing of like, this story looks like it should be good, but then yeah, that the way that they're doing the animation is where it's like, ah, okay. I'm curious to see how that's going to work. Um, I'm going to stay open-minded, even though it's weird as hell, right? But uh, we'll see. As the trailer went on, too, it seemed more and more dynamic. Because you start off, it's like, oh, it's simply stop motion with some motion in it, like the money moving or whatever. But then at the end, when they showed, like, the police cars and then the light on the guy's face and then his eyes moving, I'm like, oh, this might be a lot more complex than it shows on the surface. And I wonder if that could be part of the gameplay, too. Of As you get deeper into the story, the animations and stuff do become more complex because... The story needs that, right? That'd be really Which, interesting. That is like one of my favorite things in games is when the story and the gameplay merge in a way like that. Um, that's why that's what I love so much about like God of War and, and The Last of Us, where like that I didn't even think of that, but that sounds incredible what you just described. <laughs> On a simpler level inside, right? Where like at, by the end of that game you're at the basic roots of what gameplay is because it fits the narrative. Still. Oh, you haven't played inside. Yeah, that's that's my blind spot uh, gap, gap of shame. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I need to play hellblade too it's what a shame yeah. uh and lastly we had double fine uh show off psychonauts 2 they had a jack black appearance where he sings during this whole level which i thought was cool i know people are on the fence of you either love jack black or hate jack black i'm a jack black super fan like i love jack black i'm glad he's involved with double fine at all remember there was brutal legend that he was a star of that kind of flopped for the most part um i just think more games should bring in Jack Black if it fits. Obviously, Psychonauts <laughs> 2, very comedic, very weird game, totally fits Jack Black's vibe. Um, I I was super cool to see this. My hope still, uh, Dom, is I hope Double Fine's whole catalog comes to Game Pass so I can play the first Psychonauts. It's a blind. I don't. I have. I have no love or hate for. It. I just have never played it. A lot of Double Fine games actually. I never played Broken Age. Never played Full Throttle. None of those adventure titles. Which Psychonauts isn't an adventure title, but. It also got delayed in 2021, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Remember, there was an article in Games Industry where Tim Schafer said, because Microsoft bought us, we could put all the boss fights back in that we had to cut because of budget reasons. Oh, yeah. So that's why it probably got delayed as the scope probably increased a bit because now they can do what they want to do with the game. So that's cool. I doubt Psychonauts 2 did anything for you, right? No. I, I also like Jack Black a lot, though, so I had fun watching this, though. Yeah. Underrated singer. Uh, next up, real quick, before we get to the predictions... Aaron Greenberg had a tweet that I thought was interesting. So after the show, Jez Corden, who's pretty popular on Twitter for Microsoft and Xbox related leaks and rumors and tweets and stuff. He was one of the first people to talk about Project Lockhart. If uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. He tweeted about the show and he thought it was a great show. That's irrelevant to the point I'm going to make. He said, uh, we still haven't seen the initiative or in exiles, AAA next gen games, right? right? We've heard the initiative. Obviously we knew exile and obsidian were working on next gen RPGs. And like we talked about, we saw avowed, which is dope. So I can only imagine what the in exile and the initiatives games are. Aaron Greenberg replied to him and said, still more bullets in the chamber. And on its own, it's like, okay, whatever. Obviously he's works. He's a marketing leader for Xbox. He's going to market this, but pair that with Matt booty, who at the end of the show said, look forward to more stuff. We're going to talk about later this year. I wonder if maybe we're going to see another presentation where they hold like the initiative to go alongside the price of the console, right? Because that would be a good thing to patch into that with maybe Halo multiplayer of like, here's the price for the console. Here's a reason to look forward to our quadruple A game, you know, who knows? Yeah, no. And, and uh, 
that's always that good tease that they so I think Sony did the same kind of thing after their thing where they were like more to show later this year right yep um, for sure like which gets you like oh crap but what you already showed was really really freaking cool and same thing here wow what what you just got done showing us was like really damn cool and I'm already excited and you're telling me there's more still in a month or two or whatever so yeah that's a great uh you know great little hints and clues and teases from them so I think you made a good point of like yeah, the Halo multiplayer, I think, is just the that's the biggest thing that's been missing so far. Not that like it's too late and the world is ending and Xbox <laughs> yeah. is dead because they haven't shown it yet. No, like obviously they're gonna show us, you know what I mean, Halo Infinite's multiplayer, but it's like that's like the next thing that I, you know, in the next month or two wanna see from them and expect to see from them and it and expect it to be pretty cool. So that would be a good thing to pair with, you know, their next uh presentation, however it works, that goes along with the price and so on. I would have bet money that the day we get the price, they announce the date of the Halo Infinite beta. I would almost guarantee that happens. Because there's got to be a beta, right? For the multiplayer. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, it's historic yeah. at this point of Halo having a beta for people to check mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, I would almost guarantee that we see that on the same day. Anyways, let's get to these predictions we had last week. Uh, I have some questions. Dom and I gave our answers to the best of our ability. The first question, how many of the 14 studios, excluding game uh xbox game studios which is like the publishing arm of it right technically is a studio but it's like whatever uh how many will show up i said nine i'm sorry i said ten dom said six there was actually nine that showed up according to phil Mm. spencer i'm gonna say actually eight showed up though because one of them is xbox game studios and i said that's excluded so with that in mind you're still closer right Uh, no we're both two apart i said ten you said six it was eight uh the ones that didn't show, I'll say the ones that did show up. Undead showed up, right? Say to Decay, 343 mm-hmm. Halo, Obsidian with their suite of games, Ninja Theory, <laughs> Rare, Turn 10, Playground, Double Fine, and then Xbox Game Studios. You know what? We'll give you that point, though, because Obsidian had multiple games. <laughs> okay. I feel like True. let's just round off on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we didn't see the initiative, which we kind of expected. We didn't see Compulsion, which we kind of ex- didn't uh, expected. Um, yeah. Next up, do we see a WB property? Both of us said no. <laughs> we were correct. Though if Lord of the Rings was avowed, I, we could have been wrong. Um, next up, over under six minutes of uncut extended gameplay of Halo Infinite. Just came over the six minute mark. Uh, did we see multiplayer? Both of us said no. So I got it correct because I said over and no. You got it half correct because you said under and no. So you only got half, <laughs> unfortunately. Next up, will Xbox have third-party launch exclusives? I was a big dumb-dumb. I said, no, no way. You said, yes, of course. Stop being an idiot. Of course, you're right. Next up, will we see any more acquisitions? Both of us said no. Obviously, we took Greenberg's tweet at heart of, like, no business here, guys. They were correct. Next up, which... That means something, though, that we can trust when they say things like that, right? Like, that means something. Yes. We don't doubt when they tell us something. Well, that's one thing with Xbox, transparency, man. Been killing right. it for as long as, as, as Phil's been mm-hmm. in charge, which is great. Next up, which of these pop up? Battletoads, Cuphead DLC, or Play Dead? Damn it. Game. Damn. I said Battletoads and Play Dead, which I could be very specific and say Battletoads did show up in Grounded, but obviously I'm not going to do that. And then you said Cuphead DLC. We were both wrong. None of those games showed. Man. From my assumption is Cuphead, we talked about that game. The art style takes so long to hand drawn stuff. COVID probably delayed it. Play Dead's next game, they take like six years to make their game. So I probably was 
under in terms of their timeline. And then Battletoads, apparently when people played that game last year at E3, it wasn't that good. So I wonder if that game just got reworked completely, you know? It's one of those titles, like, it's a bummer Battletoads isn't coming out soon for people who love it, but I think for the vast majority, like, just, yeah, scrap that game and make a good version of it, you know? Whatever. Uh, so we both got that wrong. Next up, more gameplay of Fable or Everwild. Uh, we both said Everwild, and I both I said we were both correct. You could, you know, it's a middle thing of, like, I don't know if that was actually gameplay, but I'm going to go with we saw more of Everwild than Fable, so thus we're correct. Sure. So, uh, next up, lastly, what do they open and close the show with? We both nailed it. <laughs> open with Halo Infinite, close with Fable, of course. Bringing our scores to me, five and a half out of eight points. Dom, five and a half out of eight points. Wow. Tied. wow. Yeah. Nice. Five and a half out of eight is not bad, Dom. Not I bad at we, all. We got a pretty good tune of uh of the industry right now. I feel good about five and a half. <laughs> I wonder what our scores would have been like if we did the same thing for PlayStation. I didn't think about doing prediction stuff because we were still in that like weird state of what what are these events? Well, how are we going to handle this with the podcast specifically? Because in years past, we've done our predictions episodes for all the conferences, right? So I was still getting hang on how we were going to handle this, but. Man, the moment that PlayStation August event gets dated, we're going to do some predictions there too. Obviously, not going to be a whole lot of games, but in terms of price and stuff, we'll we'll figure it out. It was a good time. I enjoyed, you know, we talked about it at the top of the show if we enjoyed it or not. I really like this game showcase. For me, in terms of quality, from an unbiased perspective, I think they both maybe hit about the same. Going into a biased mindset, Xbox smoked me a little bit more because of some of the franchises they showed. I wasn't fully into like Godfall at all, right? For uh, the PlayStation thing. So I lean a little bit that way, but they were both great. I really enjoyed them both. Yeah. No, they were they were were both really good. And um I felt like similar in terms of like, you know, like your couple of uh, first party heavy hitters and then some of those weird games, you know, sprinkled throughout. And then yeah, some of your like third party like still heavy hitters and then the smaller ones too like they they both felt similar in uh in strategy and scope uh i guess the the playstation one just like they revealed the console itself um which is cool i guess but um but like i'm a sucker for horizon zero dawn and you know demon souls and spider-man and stuff like that so like some of those franchises i have, I have a little bit more connection to but like both are like both top tier like great showcases especially in a year where like every other publisher is just falling the fuck asleep apparently that's really hard for them to deliver but... these with professional like high quality structure to them right uh, i think is really impressive i'm not gonna let playstation get away with this though we cannot forget they opened with gta 5 which is one of the weirdest weirdest things it was a bit weird very weird yeah. especially when you see the rest of that show and it's like what it's so weird um yeah i was actually prepared for us to see like skyrim uh for xbox or something weird too or... the day will come when <laughs> we hear about i don't know if it's gonna make one of these big showcases but skyrim will get a specific version for series x and ps5 it just will like yeah don't kid yourself people i got a question for you so starfield right do you think we see this see that game this year maybe like the game awards no, no completely quiet yeah i'm excited man i want to see what bethesda does with sci-fi you know space sci-fi we'll see what happens obviously it's not related to the xbox stuff we have uh, we ran kind of long obviously talking about all the xbox stuff but i wanted to touch on what we've been playing because 
First of all, I've been playing some more Spite with the Avatar skins. Enjoying my time with that. I want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima real quick. Um, did you mm. jump in at all, Dom? I still have not. I want to. I'm going to. I plan on okay. it. Okay. Yeah. It's a, so I'm having a tough experience with Ghost of Tsushima. So how will I say this? I'm about five hours in. Okay. World is beautiful. I'm seeing a lot of the the seams in this game for some reason. And you, it might be Last of Us Part 2-itis or whatever the heck you called it uh, when you tried playing Tomb Raider. Naughty Dog uh, Syndrome. <laughs> Naughty Dog Syndrome. Sorry. Um, or it could just be that it is what I expected and I'm just not fully getting into it. Probably we talked about this a bit in chat. The lack of a lock-on mechanic in this game seems counterintuitive to the whole like 1v1 approach to combat specifically. I often find myself fighting the camera and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic of like, oh, it's always in the way, but it is to an extent where I have to worry about the camera, if that makes sense. Um, because you also find in this game early on that if you have like two or three miscues, you're going to die. Like it's just going to happen. And it just, it's not rubbing me the right way necessarily. The winds of change or whatever the hell it's called, the navigation thing, it's cute. And like, I get what they're doing, but it just, I don't know. It just isn't working for me. That's less of like a quality gripe, just more of a preference gripe, right? I'm not mm -hmm. like blaming him necessarily for that. The Remember before this game came out, people were talking about how the stealth in this game was not great and that the like the AI was kind of trash and like not smart. It's true. Like the AI is real bad in this game. <laughs> it's like real true. bad. <laughs> like it's easy mode stealth to the point. I'm not spoiling the beginning of the game. There's a section at the beginning of the game where you have to stealth because they're teaching the stealth mechanics, right? Obviously, video game stuff. There's parts, Dom, where say you're standing straight looking forward. You crawl or squat next to these guys less than maybe four or three feet from them and walk in their line of sight to the left. And it's like, I I don't... I It just breaks the immersion. I'm like, this. I don't get how this is stealth necessarily. Um... That being said, like the actual combat when you're hitting with swords and the challenge system where you walk up to a camp and you can challenge a guy to like oh, yeah. a really quick uh, samurai fight, super cool. World is beautiful. The like just the world feel itself of like the ambient noise and the creatures and everything works. To me, and I'll, I'm very early on, right? Five hours. It's Sekiro meets Assassin's Creed but it never reaches the best parts of either of those, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me so far, and I hate labeling games with just a number, but it's the easiest way to get my feeling across generally. So far, this feels like a seven. Is a seven a bad game? By no means. Is a seven a great game? Probably not. Like it's, it's a good it's experience. Good. I don't, yeah. yeah. And that might change. Like there may be some tools I uncover or upgrade throughout the experience that changes things for me. But early on, man, the lack of a lock-on is so, so apparent to me. Um, and it, it probably comes from a, a, a position of me and you love the From games. And I know we so talk about From that. forever and ever. But yeah. I've, been, I've been spoiled with that combat. And I don't know. It's, I like Ghost of Tsushima. I wanted to love it, and I don't know if I'll ever get there. You know, And it might be Naughty Dog Syndrome, or it might just be... I play a lot of open world games and I have certain expectations. Remember, I'm the, the guy that do, didn't like Breath of the Wild. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt, my opinion on, on this stuff. But yeah, I'm just not having a, a great time with it, but I am having a good time. So yeah, I need to try it out. I've, I've just been lazy and I've been too busy with what I've been playing 
um, weirdly, is Dark Souls 3, which is territory that's been covered. By Working on that plat, times. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I dove right in and I felt great about it. And it's been a long time since I played it. And I had only played through this game once when it first came out. Um, as opposed to like the original Dark Souls and 2 and Bloodborne, which I've played through multiple times each. This one was one where I didn't get as deep into it as the others. So getting into it, I felt immediately comfortable. I'm like, I'm doing well. It's still challenging and unfamiliar at parts, um, but it feels good. I'm like following a guide and I'm being more thorough and, and so on. It's going to take a couple playthroughs for this damn trophy, but I'm loving every second of it. it. This is, I forgot, like, this is a really great game. So for sure. Um, next week, we'll probably have some more video game announcements, some more news. Hopefully, we're getting close to August, and apparently the PlayStation and Xbox events are both in August, right? So we're getting up on those, and we're going to have dates soon. I'm assuming Xbox will give theirs some room to breathe before they announce theirs, but PlayStation might want to Monday morning be like, hey, the Xbox thing, whatever. Uh, Look forward to our thing, you know what I mean? Try to Um, steal back some of that media attention kind of conversation. Yeah, and by the way, there was a Direct that happened this week for Nintendo, and we didn't even talk about it because... (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was a mini direct and it was you know. yeah they announced it sunday at midnight it happened at monday at 7 a.m if you're a huge fan of shimigami tensei which former guest of the show elisa huge shimigami tensei fan she lost her mind for that stuff i'm assuming especially with the three nocturne remake or whatever but yeah just nintendo's in a weird place i mean not financially they're killing it with paper mario and especially animal crossing selling like crazy but in terms of wanting new games it's like in a year with next gen maybe I'm not, I don't know if you feel the same way, Dom. Obviously, I've been playing Animal Crossing, so I'm a little bit different than you. But with everything on the horizon for Xbox and PlayStation, I'm not worried about Nintendo because I can hold off till next year because I have so much to look forward to already in the fall without Nintendo jamming in the Super Mario collections, which I'm worried because I'm going to spend money on those and then that's going to take away time from other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, from a like looking at it from a personal point of view, I'm the same way. Like, there's there's enough to do and I'll be good. I'm I'm just, I'm playing Dark Souls 3, man. That's going to take me forever. And I still got to get into Ghosts. So then, then by the time that's all done, it's like we got Cyberpunk, we got Halo, we got Spider-Man. Like there's going to be, it's going to be a busy fall. So like from my perspective, I'm fine with Nintendo chilling until next year. But I got to imagine from their perspective, they're a little worried because they want to carve into that, right? They want to take sure. me away from Ghost of Tsushima to play Mario instead, I would think. Um, but if they don't have it, then they don't have it. But, you know, that's what I think their view has got to be. And like we've, like you've said before, like the Japanese companies may have uh, taken a COVID hit harder than some of the American ones. So other thing we're not talking about that is a big deal. And it might not be some of the older demographic for Nintendo, but the big uh, DLC chunk for Pokemon comes out this fall. You know, we're not really talking about that either. Oh, the smaller one came out in June. The big one is the crown tundra, which is this fall. So Mm. that'll satiate a lot of people too. Um, Obviously not all Nintendo fans, but we forget about that. Nintendo uh, Pokemon's huge. It's so a big deal. A DLC is a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, that's it for this week's show, guys. Thank you for listening. If you can, please go over to Spotify or iTunes, search us up controlled interest. We'll pop right up. On iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It helps us move between the algorithm so you can find the show and others can find the show. On YouTube, search controlled interest. We'll pop right up. Hit the bell notification to know when we upload new videos because you can never trust YouTube sub boxes. On Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interests Abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. If you haven't 
The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast has gone live. It features me, features Dom, features frequent guests of the show, Chris Noons, and it features the guy who guested with me on the PlayStation event reactions, Max Roberts, uh, formerly of Dual Shockers. Um, yeah, we talk about Last of Us, get into all of the spoilers, all of the nitty gritty, talk about what we love, talk about the things we didn't like, talk about all the characters, what worked, what didn't, all of that good stuff. Uh, Dom's computer took a poop in the middle of it towards the end, not the middle. Dom wasn't in for the last 10 minutes, but he was there for the other hour and a half of goodness. So definitely check that Spoilers. out if you get a chance. The ending was great. <laughs> Spoilers. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Catch you guys next time.